This podcast is of licensed mental health professionals linking pop culture to psychology. The information presented in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used in place of mental health treatment or other services. All our opinions are our own. Hello and welcome to Therapy for Nerds. This is your host, Cassidy Russell, along with... At me, Ronquillo, and this is... Katie Bussey. And today we wanted to talk about our thoughts on the, the documentary uh, that's on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And Katie, I know you were kind of the original person that brought it up and wanted to talk about it. So how about you start us off? For me, I think this was something I wanted to bring up because in my work, it's something I've been asked a lot about. Um, I've encountered a lot of different people who watch this, parents, um, you know, young adults, people wanting to learn about technology and, and kind of the impact on their own lives or the lives of their children. And one thing that I, I feel like I was consistently encountering was people who were almost afraid of devices after watching it. Like there was a lot of fear around like, what's going on? What do I not know about? And so it actually was the only reason I really went out and watched it because I'd heard about it, but I was like, I don't know, I'm not going to sit down and watching things sometimes. So I watched it. And I thought it was a very interesting documentary. And I think there's a lot of really important points that we, we can talk about today because it touches on, and for those of you who haven't seen it, you know, you can go out and watch it. We're going to have some spoilers potentially ahead just as a disclaimer here, but it talks a lot about the impact of, of technology, advertising, the impact of social media on, you know, young adults, teens, adults. Um, and I think there was a lot of really important messages being made, but a lot of fear that was being generated in the process. I think that was my main issue with it was the amount of fear that it was. I also, disclaimer, did not watch this when I was in a very good mood. So I feel like that might have tainted <laughs> my thoughts on it. Uh, but I definitely felt there was a lot of fear mongering within the documentary, which, I mean, documentaries are typically made to for some sort of point. And oftentimes, because fear is a very easy emotion to exploit in film that's tends to be what documentaries like that tends to be what the point is to instill some sort of fear about something or other so i i understood it on that level but i i also just personally found it a little irritating um abby what are your thoughts <laughs> You know, it's so funny. When I first watched this, everyone was talking, you know, like Katie said, a lot of my clients were talking about it and they were just like, wow, that was so life changing. You know, I had no idea this was going on and, you know, talking about it like it was a, a big deal. So I was like, you know what, I, I have to see it. And while I was watching it, my initial reaction was like, I don't know if it's just because of me being a part of that generation of growing on the internet and kind of being aware of the development of social media being more, I don't know, woke to the idea that, hey, this is kind of, could be a bad thing if you use too much of it and kind of having the sense of this advertisement placement and, and all of that. I, I, I didn't feel like the news was was new news, but I definitely feel like you're right, Cassie, in the sense that there was a lot of fear-based tactics that were utilized within the um, narrative. Um, and I, I could I could put myself in the shoes or the position of a parent watching this and, and identifying like, wow, you know, maybe I don't use Facebook that much or I don't use these apps that much, but my kids do. And I, I don't know what they do on their phones. 
is this what they're looking at? Is this what they they feel when they're they're looking at that screen all day? There's two pieces to this, really, because there is the piece of like there should be a accountability within corporations, and if they hold a lot of private information for people and and a lot of the data that's being released on the internet, like, and I think that's the message I took away from it a lot is like the call to action on holding companies responsible for the information and the products that they're creating. Um, and I think that's a very valid point. I, I think like the piece was with, with people of maybe not understanding what it was supposed to be communicating in some pieces. Cause I think there was the piece of it communicating that. And then also lock up your phones. They're really bad for you. Um, but not giving us much direction on how we can necessarily protect ourselves. It was like, phones are scary and bad and advertising is stealing all your data and you're going to turn into this amorphous individual who's just being fed advertising at a, a constant rate. But I didn't walk away knowing what to do about it. And I think that's what's created so much fear for a lot of people is it's, there's a problem. We see it's a problem, but we don't know what to do. And I think a lot of reactions was, okay, well, I'm pulling away then entirely. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that they, they presented a problem. And then when kind of asked for a solution, the only thing that it really seemed to say was like, hold businesses accountable, which like, yeah, we definitely should. Mm -hmm. The ability for us to hold businesses accountable is currently not that high. Like, and maybe this is me being pessimistic about our current landscape, uh, but it's, so having something that we can do in, the meantime, when we're, while we try to wrangle in these kinds of companies would have been great. I thought having a therapist or, you know, people that specialize in mental health would have been really helpful, but they had like, what, one psychologist throughout the whole film? It's like it's an hour and 40 minutes. Like they couldn't have another psychologist come on and talk about actual studies that have that were done about it because that was another thing that I took issue with was they had all of these former tech people come in and talk about what they thought was happening, but they didn't really have any concrete studies or things done by the mental health field. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I noticed um, at some point during the documentary, they brought up a lot of statistics regarding suicide rates in the last decade and they drew a correlation between social media and suicide rates in teens. I believe it was teens or young adults, that younger generations. And then it was just like, that was just kind of dropped that they, saw, they thought that there was a correlation and it wasn't really explored. And for me, I found that very startling because I don't think suicide is a topic that we can just lightly bring up and then kind of move on from. And, you know, I can see why that would also lead to a lot of parents being afraid because Correlation is not causation. Like we are seeing increasing suicide rates. And I think it's a very multifaceted issue within our culture right now. And I think it was very abruptly brought up and then kind of like moved past. And I would be scared if I was a parent, if I saw a documentary and they said, look, look at social media and look at suicide rates. I'd be like, my kid's going to kill themselves if they're on, you know, Instagram too much. Mm -hmm. And I, I can see why that'd be so startling for people. Yeah. And I definitely think that, you know, obviously, looking at this documentary it was it was created by the um the former head right of data data for democracy that one i forgot the name of the speaker um but uh the person who kind of spearheaded the project brought in a lot of his his friends and former colleagues the people that were in the trenches people who come from the tech industry so i feel like the perspective is is those people who were creating this data creating this 
social media creating these platforms that cause the issue um not so much from the perspective of mental health or what to do well that call to action was there but they weren't looking at it as how detrimental it was scientifically i guess it was more of like their first person experience of like hey we made this and ooh, this is a problem because we felt it ourselves like i remember one of them had ex- had explicitly said that they would come home and they even realized that they were like addicted to the email even though they knew that they were making it in certain types of algorithms and they knew what was happening, they couldn't stop themselves. Um, mm-hmm. I do feel like it would have made the arguments a lot stronger had they backed it up with data. Like for me personally, I, I, pref- I like having that type of data. But I think the reason that they didn't include the data was because they were more so just trying to document, I guess like in real time, what it felt like or or like what the experience was or their point of view, if that makes sense? Well, they were using themselves as a case study, which like case studies can be very interesting, Mm -hmm. but normally case studies, I feel should be like either a jumping off point or like there's already been research and here's this case study that kind of is a good example of it and humanizes that, that research a little bit. Uh, Going back to what Katie was saying about the, the suicide rates, I be honestly before I watched the documentary, I read uh, an article by Christopher Ferguson, who was one of the authors of the book um, *Moral Combat*, which I read earlier and talked about in an earlier episode. And that 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 was something that he brought up in his article, uh, how the social dilemma got social media mostly wrong, was yes suicide rates for teenage girls have gone up in the last 10 years, but that was cherry-picked data in that suicide rates for every age group has gone up for the last 10 years. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we can focus on teenage girls, which we, but we should be talking about the overall rates and why are the overall rates going up? Mm -hmm. Mental health is in a crisis in this country and what's being done about it. Yeah, and I, I think that that piece is really important, like what you're bringing up now is the way we present information conveys a message. And if we, we present a, a limited piece of information saying, look at the, the suicide rates in girls and look at the increase in social media, and that's taken out of context in the fact that overall suicide rates for all groups are increasing. For groups who don't use social media, there's a message that's that's not being totally brought to the table there, and it can be misinterpreted because of that. And you know, I I think the individuals who were were in this documentary had a unique perspective here because they were people who were you know high high players in the tech industry, like they'd been CEOs, they'd been managers, they'd been all of these different really high roles. A lot of them were like on the ground floor when these companies were being built. So they obviously have such a unique perspective that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think it's great for us to be able to hear about that. I, I think there is the piece of like, we just have to be careful the way we present information so that people are able to get a holistic understanding of what's going on. And if we have areas that maybe we are not as, uh, I guess, qualified in talking about, we're careful in how we present that information rather than dropping some suicide rates and not explaining a little bit more about that. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, you're right. And it's, it's kind of, I guess, a little bit ironic that this documentary 
did that and not not that they're the only ones right i think you're right and yeah. a lot of times you'll see that even in in scholarly art- articles they cherry pick as you said kathy certain type of information to to juice up whatever they're trying to say or to convey a specific type of message in a certain way so the reader gets their point or <laughs> it's it's i think it's kind of the, re- the reason i say it's ironic is because i feel like maybe they put that uh very specific piece of information into this document to to, to spark something in parents or whoever the viewer was in the same way that they were kind of making this argument that social media does that, you know, is very manipulative and um, kind of makes pers- makes you perceive certain things a certain way when it there's so much more information out there or there's certain things that you're not seeing behind doors. Kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, where it almost can feel like they, they presented the information in a way where they were trying to create an emotional reaction through the music, through the the subplot that was developed, like the, the storyline of that teen we were following the whole time. And there was like, there was a, I, there was so much emotions throughout it. Like the music, like I know music is a way to convey that. And it was so intense throughout the entire documentary, more so than I would have really expected for a documentary at that. It definitely, the, the splice to, like video that was happening in between out every time that popped on screen I was just like uh, here we go again <laughs> yay yeah and it's it's tough because I, I think with this documentary I, I noticed myself having kind of like a, a torn view on it because I think the information they presented was really important and I think it was really good and I, I think you know, anytime we're able to shed light on things that maybe the public isn't aware of, that's a good thing. Like, I think we should have more information. Um, and I, I think the the challenge is that how, you know, how often do people who are viewing this have the background we have in knowing about suicide rates? How often do they have this information? Because it, it made me think of, um, you, you both may have heard of this before, but that idea of there's a higher rate of like aggressive assaults or whatever it may be in the summer and there's also a higher rate of ice cream being sold and that doesn't necessarily mean that ice cream correlates to more aggression because there's an outside lurking variable which is the heat and being overwarmed and like in the summertime leads to the aggression a lot of other factors like i'm not going to say it's the only one but there's that piece of we we have to be cautious with these these presentations of information yeah well one of the one of the things that they kept bringing up in the the movie was oh bicycles like were a great invention and they didn't add like they didn't change anything but I, another one of my issues with with that was okay yes but you're ignoring everything else in our history that has been one of those things that causes a moral panic which social media these days is the new thing that causes a, a, a moral panic the one of the earliest examples would be the a written book like it was at once thought that like teenage girls reading books was going to ruin the fabric of society violent video games were thought to ruin the fabric of society which i know we've talked about in the past of how we just don't have studies that have shown that and so my thing is with social media like I, do I think that people should be on it 24-7? No. Do I think that there's a lot of fear-mongering around it that is a little overhyped? Yeah, I personally do. 
but that's that's my personal thoughts and feelings and until i see i don't know like i i do think that we should be doing more studies on it and because i don't think we have a whole lot of information on its effects but i'm also not as quick to jump on this like it's the devil and it's going to ruin us all kind of mentality i I don't, you know, I don't come from the tech industry and I'm very far from it. As a, as a clinician, I don't know a lot about the technicalities that go behind creating something like an app or developing uh, a website specifically made for social media. However, as a consumer or a person that utilizes technology the way that I do um, and, and to communicate with other people, I can understand that, you know, in, in its own right, it is addicting. It is addicting to sit there and kind of whatever they call doom scroll. Uh, but just like anything else could be addicting, right? Like we can get addicted to, to things that are good for us, like exercise or um, eating healthy or, or not eating healthy or playing games. You know, anything can become addicting if we just do too much of it. So I do, I do see where, um, where the call, that, call to action is to, to take precaution and to kind of take into strides what you're you're ingesting and like where you're getting your information from and kind of just being more cautious about utilizing your time and utilizing um these apps however i think you're right cassie in the sense that maybe more research should have been put into not only this documentary but like in general for the good consensus of everybody for us to know as consumers what does this mean for us and what is social media yeah and i you know it's interesting because i think in its own way, I think fear in a situation like this can be really beneficial because I know we talked about how there was the fear early on of all these different things that are potentially tearing the, the moral fabric of our society to shreds. And I think when we have fear and we seek to understand new things in our environment, that is beneficial. I think that promotes growth, that promotes learning, that promotes questioning. And I, I think that it is important we continue to question things and we continue to seek out information so we can be informed consumers or informed uh, you know, individuals in these different aspects of our lives. And I think that is really important. Um, I think it's, a, it's how we go about it though. Um, and who are the people that are afraid and questioning that? Who are the people that are doing these things? Because I, I mean, you know, I, I utilize a lot of the, the uh, technology that was described in that, that documentary. I, don't really know what I'm going to do to change the way it's used. Like I, I'm trying to be mindful of not allowing my information to be openly spread where I or spread where I don't want it to be. But it is so hard as an individual to do a lot in these situations, and it can feel very overwhelming and pretty frightening to to be in that position. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think a, a more helpful route, and maybe that's something that we can even talk about in here, is how we've gone about uh, limiting our amount of social media, because I, I, I have been guilty about of doom scrolling, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, I think that there's a little bit of normalcy that comes with that, though, because no one knew what was happening. And so any means of getting information, which as someone who doesn't have cable television and can't get like a cable news network, the internet was my main source. So having like some means to, to get information was important, especially at that time. I worry when people go into a moral panic, the demonization that comes with certain things. Mm -hmm. 
I do feel like we need laws and regulations surrounding social media. I think when there was a question about violent video games, things were done very quickly. I mean, sure, and a lot of it was done before I was even born of the, um, the rating system and that got put into place and kept kids from buying rated R games, which does need to get updated for our modern times because it's, kids aren't walking into a store and buying a video game now, they're ordering it online which I would imagine is a lot easier to get around the whole, you know, normally you need an ID to get those games, or at least back in my day, you needed an ID to get those games. And maybe it's because I, I hear so many people in the therapy world that are so quick to demonize social media and put all, like, put all the blame on social media when it's like, okay, yes but why is the kid always on social media is it because that's their only means of connection because if that's their only means of connection then it's not good to take that away you have to add other means of connection you have to add a sports team you have to add a group like what are you going to add and it's it's very challenging because i think really what comes to mind with me like when we talk about parents and and their approach with social media with their kids is i really think it's the open conversation about it is really the best way to approach it because you know even if it's maybe not something that the parents are on for them to be able to learn more about it to ask their kids questions to ask them how much they're using how much um, they use it to connect with friends versus just follow accounts online or like, what is their intention with it? What is their relationship with these social media, with different technologies? Because so oftentimes what fits for one person doesn't for another. One, one person may be able to use it pretty consistently and it's not interfering with their life. Whereas another person would be trying to do homework and then spend six hours scrolling through Instagram or Twitter or something and didn't get their work done. So it's, I think it should also be considered on a very individual basis too. Yeah. And it's really difficult in regards to, you know, social media because it has so many purposes. Like you said, Cassidy, it could be a place where they connect. It could be a place where you use it for, um, promoting your business or where you're, you know, talking to other people like clients or even, you know, potential partners in business or talking to family across the country where you don't really get to talk to them. So there are a lot of positives to social media and, and what it can do for you as a person. So identifying how much you use it and how much of it is actually uh, beneficial to you and your well-being versus how much of it is hurting you in some way or, or, or negative is, is a challenge. And I think it's challenging for children, especially or adolescents for them to kind of identify where that, the fine line is with that. Mm -hmm. So parents or adults can really be beneficial in kind of navigating that for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and another thing being, you're right, you know, going back to like the laws and, and regulations around social media and where it is in our country, at least, you know, it's constantly moving. It's constantly being, you know, technology is always growing. And because we don't know a lot about it, I think this is a topic that needs to, to always be addressed. I think, uh, you know, our, our government takes, takes it for granted. You know, it's weird because we always see, or I always seem to see them in the news, like with Facebook right now, for, while this episode's being 
uh, recorded. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I think, is in court for some reason with Instagram and Facebook and something to do with, I don't know what it is. But, you know, um, th this is something that I think needs constant reform and something that constantly needs to be regulated because if us as individuals, lay people that don't know how to really process how much of this needs to be, you know, accessible to whatever age, how much of this needs to be open for us, how much of us, how much of our information needs to be protected, then that, that's up to the government that really needs to be for them to look at for us, I guess, or the professionals, I don't know, somebody. <laughs> I will say, like, even the therapy laws surrounding what therapists can and can't do around social media and promoting their businesses is really, really outdated. Like, in the law right now that was written years ago, it, it talks about Facebook walls. Like, that's not a thing anymore. I was like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> But it, it was a very, that was part of the very early versions of Facebook. It's not a thing anymore. So we definitely need to be keeping up with technology and have our laws keep up with technology. That's definitely something that I can wholeheartedly agree on. But maybe one of the, maybe something like I, I kind of mentioned earlier that we can talk about is ways to, to limit and actually talk about what you can do because the movie didn't really talk about that mm. so I'll go into something that it, like I can find helpful or that I found helpful is your apps like you can allow notifications or you cannot allow notifications mm -hmm. stop allowing notifications if it's becoming a temptation I personally feel like I I don't have notifications on my phone not because it's a temptation but I, I feel like it's overstimulating um, it becomes, it makes me very anxious to see like something constantly popping up or making me feel like I'm doing something wrong or I'm not con like, I'm not on top of something. I have it not only for like social media apps, I don't even have it for my calendar. Mm. So that's just me personally. And I think that's something like you build like an awareness to like, is this helpful or is this harmful for me? And that's something you should always be checking in with, with social media and even, you know, beyond that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I hear for you, Abby, it's like it, it is going to be intentional when you're going to consume social media or even your calendar or your email or anything like you're going to intentionally go in and I can hear how that may be so different because it isn't like you said where there's this bombardment of notifications because I know I also get very overwhelmed by that and I have this sense of immediacy to address it um, and, you know, uh, kind of jumping off of that is there's also like like focus modes where you can know like okay in these hours i just want some space to myself i don't want to be getting notifications if you know because i know a lot of people don't want to miss out on the notifications their friends are messaging them or you know they just really like having that and it can be about limiting it it can be about also checking in with other people you know and seeing like what it looks like for them because that perspective can also help you to realize like oh maybe i am using this a little bit more than i realize when i'm like seeing what other people i know do or or less and being like oh wait i'm doing great like i don't need to be worrying about this right now so i think talking about it is a big part of it too yeah um i i personally really like i have an iphone so i i like using the screen time app um, which helps to kind of regulate the time that i use certain apps um, not only social media but you can use it for you know games as well and everything else it'll give you a warning of how much time you've used it, um, which is kind of nice in the day-to-day, -day, but what's really fun about it is at the end of the week, it'll tell you, like, 
this is how much percentage that you spent um, on average using social media, which I think for some people can be really scary at first because you don't even realize how much time you're, you're consuming a day, certain types of media. Um, but that can be a really good start if you're trying to wean off, off, off of the technology or try to moderate some of the technology for yourself. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of different ways um, we can use those devices that we oftentimes can overuse to actually help moderate our actions and, and help create some sense of, uh, you know, balance within there. But I, I think what's also really important is being able to find things outside of that technology that we can utilize and bring in as well to help regulate it. So, you know, also looking at, I'm using this, say, I'm on social media for several hours a day what could I be doing otherwise? Is there other things I actually would like to be doing that maybe I'm not doing and trying to increase those things? Like if you're like, man, I'd love to read. I haven't read a book in years and being like, you know what? I'm going to actually like swap out my time and try to do this other enjoyable activity because it's oftentimes it's so easy just to open up our phones and start scrolling through something. It's a very quick, it's not hard. It's, it's so straightforward. And oftentimes it can keep us from doing the other stuff we might've been wanting to do as well. Definitely changing the amount of email notifications you get from apps too, because that can be really overwhelming. I am the, the Gmail started to like do the the social tab, which I love because I hated getting all of those freaking emails. Yeah, but but I think that's the the point that we're all talking about here is like take some time and see what works for you. Figure out what you need. Some people maybe don't notice notifications. I know people who have like 30 notifications on their phone. They don't even like notice it's happening and they're just fine. Whereas like some of us might get really overwhelmed. It's about knowing yourself and knowing what you're needing and maybe even taking a week and just watching how you use your, your phone, your social media, whatever it may be and learning what works for you. Thank you for listening to Therapy for Nerds. If you liked this episode, hit that like button, subscribe, comment, and check out the links to our social medias where you'll be sure to get all of the latest Therapy for Nerds information. And be kind to yourselves this week.